Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun, and thanks for telling your friends, your family. You're all either pre-op or post-op. Just don't forget that. Sooner or later, you're going to need me. That's how our bodies work. We're like an old car. Starts squeaking after a while. But that's why it's fun. So much fun for me to be a master carpenter who became a doctor. That's why I'm an orthopedic surgeon. And at 8.15, we're going to be talking to a master plumber who became a doctor. The best in the business. And we're going to talk about with Dr. Karen Eilber. We're going to talk about when you go and have prostate surgery, you can have the complication of incontinence or erectile dysfunction even. Things happen. Because the way the anatomy of our body is, that single pipe that allows us to pee, that allows us to make babies, that pipe can be affected if you work on one part versus the other. So all week long, I thought about multi-use in art, in sports, and certainly in how our bodies work in surgery. And I couldn't help but think about 1983, when Marvin Gaye, fighting with Barry Gordy and Motown, and succeeding because he was the first guy to really bring a political message to R&B and they fought with him. Remember that song, What's Going On? But Marvin Gaye insisted, I've got to do something about what I see right now in the 60s, civil unrest, the Vietnam War. And he did, that they fought with him. Well, guess what? Became the biggest record Motown ever had. And that gave him that strength. Listen to Barry Gordy, the head of Motown, talking about Marvin Gaye and, and, and what's going on. Later did the national anthem at the forum. People that have heard this national anthem that he did was so Marvin Gayish that when you make a classic out of the national anthem, you got to be something. And Marvin was, Marvin was something. He was really, really something. But initially, Barry Gordy did not see it that way. He thought he was like all over the place. Here he is ridiculing him for saying, you want to be a boxer? Marvin was very unpredictable. He was the most unpredictable. And I remember one day I was talking to him at the height of his career, number one record, number one album. And he said, you know, I got this great idea. I said, terrific, Marvin. You know, what is it? I thought he was going to come up with some major thing that was going to be a phenomenal record smash. And he says, um, hey, Barry, you know what I want to be? I said, uh, what, Marvin, do you want to be? He said, a boxer. A boxer. You can hear Barry Gordy almost ridiculing him. He wants to be a boxer. Like, what is he, crazy? 
you better just buckle your seatbelt and get out of his way, Barry Gordy, because he's about to make you even more famous and more rich. Obviously, I learned a great deal because the, the album was what's going on. Probably the greatest piece of work that uh, Motown has ever put out. After the success of the What's Going On album, I didn't have a great deal of trouble with my creative freedom. I think it did more to, to help me become uh, an independent type. An independent type, he could multi-use that microphone. He had this ability. Same pipe, but multiple things could come out of it. He was a genius in front of that dead microphone. Because he could do some things that people wouldn't realize. You know, Marvin's doing all the voices. He's doing background and a lead. And uh, to color the background, it's, it's, it's four to five different harmony parts. And that's what you hear. Mm. talk about multi-use. I'm just talking about two functions that the urethra has. How about Marvin Gaye doing six? I think the irony about Marvin is that the different voices in his head, one whispering, love God, another whispering, get everything you can. These warring voices which tore him up, he was able to harmonize, literally harmonize in his art. Well, now you're in for a treat. Buckle your seatbelt, because now you're going to hear, in 1983, the NBA All-Star Game. Hey, Marvin Gaye, you're the biggest thing at Motown. How'd you like to sing the national anthem? Whitney Houston did it in 1991. Beautiful job, because she's Whitney Houston. But everybody sings it the way you're supposed to sing it. Not Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye said, I want to do it differently. This is his thought process. I, I did it the way I thought Mahalia Jackson Jackson might have sung it, um, with a little bit of my style, but barring a bit of her. And I put it to a march march beat with a slight reggae um, undertone, very, very slight. Here he is walking out in this beautiful blue suit, sunglasses, and he's about to shock the world because he's about to make a hit out of the national anthem. I felt that um, singing it with that kind of music as the background gave me an inspiration. And I asked God that when I sang it, would he let it move men's souls? Can you see? To that backbeat. What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleam. 
God, to be in that audience, and I'm getting tweets from people who were there. You got to let me know what that must have felt like. You're witnessing Michelangelo create the David. I mean, you're witnessing art at the highest level. They start applauding. They realize something special is happening. Uh, you need a cup of coffee and a cigarette after you listen to that. He is remarkable. And we'll be listening to his music for the rest of the show. Oh, I just love it. Where in the world is sports? Do you see the same microphone, but different things that come out? That multi-use, like what Marvin Gaye did. Where do you see it in sports? Well, when you convert a stadium from basketball to hockey, it's the same thing. It's the same four walls and a roof. But you got to have ice, which is temperature. You've got to have the electronics, the scoreboard, all the same neurologic function, the plumbing, the temperature, just like our bodies are made. That's what the arena is when you turn it from an ice rink into a basketball court. But the challenges are there because if you screw up even a little bit, you now end up with a big mistake affecting the hockey rink when you screwed up with the basketball. The conversion process from Blackhawks to Bulls will start off with taking the hockey glass all down. As we're doing that process, the guys will actually start retracting the hockey seats and getting that ready to be spun into basketball. Once the Zamboni comes out and cleans the ice, then we will lay down the uh, ice decking product to cover the whole ice surface. Approximately 550 sheets of ice decking. It's uh, insulated, keeps the cold down, and keeps you very comfortable if you're standing above it, and that covers the whole ice surface. 232 pieces of basketball floor will come out. 
it's a slow process at first to start. We make sure that the first couple rows we get out there um, are laid down and squared. Um, if you're not square with those first three rows, even if you're a quarter inch off, half inch off, by the time you're 14 rows down the line, it's, it, it gets kind of crazy. So it's kind of like a puzzle, just one piece at a time, one row at a time. Yeah, if you're removing the prostate as a surgeon and you're off by a millimeter, it affects everything else by a lot. You miss off, miss by a half inch putting the stands together. Row 26 is in New Jersey. Makes a huge difference. Things are coming out as, as things are going in. And if one side is slower than the other, it slows everything up. So it has to be kind of a, a, a meticulous in and out. Bulls to Blackhawks is slightly quicker just because you're putting everything away for the most part. Maybe an hour 45 minutes. It's a well-oiled machine, so to say. Um, a lot of our conversion guys have been here for a long time. Yep, you've got the player and you've got the worker. you got the surgeon, you got the patient. The guys take a lot of pride in their work and feel very uh, gratified knowing that in some part their help is allowing these great athletes the opportunity to play and the great fans of Chicago a chance to watch these great athletes. Here at the Staples Center, going from the Clippers or Lakers to the Kings, Ed Fluellen is the boss. And listen to him talk about another factor that you don't think about, which is relevant in how our bodies work, which is temperature. You got an infection in your bladder, Trust me, your temperature goes up. Temperature makes a difference. Well, it's ice. It's got to be frozen, and it's basketball. You don't want it to be frozen. I've been here, operations manager, about 16 years in my current position. Right now, what we're doing is uh, we, of course, came out of a, a Clippers basketball game. As you can see, the court is gone. Uh, decks A and B are gone. The uh, L units are gone. And now we're exposing the ice. We're removing the overlay floor. Now, the overlay floor is basically about a... Um, inch and a quarter thick and what it does the composite material helps get the uh, condensation down and it keeps the moisture from rising above to the uh, floor and it makes it non-slip resistant as well. Those Boston Celtics used to enjoy that the moisture came because it warped the floor and they knew where all the warp spots were. They gave them an advantage when the Lakers would play in Boston. The average time is approximately two hours and 20 minutes. The fastest time we have on record to date is an hour and 50 minutes. We have approximately 45 people here that consist of conversion crew, event crew, uh, maintenance guys, and our engineers. Our set point for a hockey game is 55 degrees, and we start to cool the building on double headers right about halftime, beginning of the uh, third quarter. So we have to have the building close to set point, otherwise when we expose the ice, it'll start to get slushy and, and wet, and hockey players don't like that. Next time you go to a Laker game and you know the hockey team's playing later, you better bring a winter jacket. Pepsi Center literally lights up for the playoffs, and the technology behind it is pretty cool. Up in the catwalk there, there's a, a bunch of RF transponders that are sending signal these, and it's all controlled through a lighting board. That's the show fans will see. But there's another one that goes on when the games are over. This is our uh, basketball. This is our basketball floor. This is, you know, it's all like a male-female system. You put it in, close it and that's how it goes. Matt Minona and his 22-member team can turn hardwood into ice in around three hours. Doing it the other way takes a little more time. 
I forgot about the electronics. You need all those computers lined up. Well, that's your brain. You can have surgery, and all of a sudden you have erectile dysfunction, and even though the plumbing and the pipes are all right. Yes, there's a neurologic component to converting the stadiums, all the wiring, the wiring that comes out of your brain, all the nerves. It's all interrelated. Temperature, the wiring, all of these things make a huge difference when you're talking about multi-use of the same machinery. And then you also have 233 pieces of basketball court that need to go down, all being done in roughly four hours with about 20 to 22 workers. They do it right most of the time. There has been times where the lines don't match up and you have to, like, they're just, they're just off a little bit and you have to rip up and do it. But that, that, was, that was a long time ago. So if the ice is below the basketball court and it's frozen the whole time they're playing basketball, if someone spills their beer and alcohol doesn't freeze, but what if it's a soda and it goes through the floor, can it wind up on the ice? Well, you know who knows the answer to that question? The Zamboni driver. So here's the Chicago Blackhawks Zamboni driver talking about what happens when they spill at the basketball game and he has to deal with it at the hockey game. Having hardwood over ice has got to be frustrating for the guy who takes care of the ice, though, right? doesn't drive me nuts. I do like to have the ice exposed as much as possible, but we do have a great thermal floor that protects the ice. Tony says he's got a different pet peeve. What I get upset about is, is that the patrons spill during a Nuggets game, and those spills will actually hit the ice, and then we have to clean those up. Yeah, we actually will find frozen beer, frozen wine, um, it's it's more of a slush because alcohol won't freeze solid. Multi-use, multi-use, a hockey rink and a basketball court right here at Staples. They live in the same building. It's the same thing of our body. That same pipe that lets you drain your bladder lets you make babies. If you work on one problem, you could lead to another one. Who knows it better than my guest coming up? I'm so excited to talk to her. The great Dr. Karen Eilber, a urologist and expert in prostate surgery. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page you're listening to the weekend warrior show presented by cedar sinai what's going on la this is kobe bryant oh my god start your weekend off right listening to the weekend warrior show with dr clapper the Wafogato. every saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m on espn 710 home of your los angeles lakers Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Let's get it on. 1973, and Marvin Gaye wrote that song. And when he says, let's get it on, what he's turning on is his prostate. And nobody knows that better than my guest, 
Dr. Karen Eilbert. Karen, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. <laughs> Robbie, you're, there's very few people I get up early for, and one of them is definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, I got so excited to put the show together this week. No, no pun intended. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating because you are a master artist, surgeon, and you're dealing with so many different pipes that are single pipes that have multiple uses and you can speak better than anybody else to our bodies when one thing gets operated on and you can have effects on other things. And that's why I chose Marvin Gaye in turning an arena from an ice rink into a basketball court. The whole idea of the multi-use of our urethra draining our bladder and also being involved with what the prostate does. So teach us some basic anatomy, bladder, prostate, urethra, just the the basic science of urology and what you do. I mean, I'm a glorified plumber is the bottom line. <laughs> you know, it cracks me up. Like I had a, you know, plumber come to my house and do some work and I'm sure he thought I was just like, you know, some dumb chick and he's trying to explain to me. I'm like, no, I get it. I'm a plumber too. And he's like looking at me like, what am I talking about? <laughs> I love it. But, you know, we, we throw these terms around a lot and, you know, I won't be too sexist, but, you know, you guys really aren't in the habit of going to the doctor. You know, mm. like women at a young age have to go every year for their pap smears, different things. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about, so I'm not really the prostate cancer specialist. I kind of clean up the mess mm-hmm. after men have had prostate surgery. And, you know, one of the things that's very interesting is, you know, as a as a male doctor, of course, being you know treated as a woman, you try to to relate as much as you can. And I thought, as a woman, I was relating to the male patients as well as I could. But you know, no matter what happens, I guess that when you have prostate surgery, nothing is quite the same. Mm-hmm. And these are difficult topics. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of guys don't want to bring it up, but. Yes, when your prostate gets removed, whether it's partially for like an enlarged prostate or the whole thing is removed for, say, cancer, Mm -hmm. yet things cannot go maybe not as expected. And you can have difficulties not only with urination, but with ejaculation and with erectile dysfunction. And if it's one thing I want to get across this morning is that there is help for all those things. But, Mm. you know, you got to ask for it. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot wait to educate. They call it edutainment. That's what we're going to do together, (laughs) you and I together. But the most fascinating thing about this topic and knowing that you would be my guest this Saturday, to me, the most fascinating thing is you. The fact that you, how you got to this moment right now, what did your mom and dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? Where did this all come from that you chose this route? Of all the things you could be, even as a doctor, you chose urology i'm sure there was a mentor along the way take us through you where'd you where'd you grow up i'm still pretty sure my parents actually don't tell their friends what i do for a living (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, they do so i actually really liked got well believe it or not i actually thought i was going to be an orthopedic surgeon until i saw like my first femur rotting and i was like oh my god that's more like carpentry than (laughs) (laughs) yes it is and then i really liked gynecology but i wasn't so keen on getting up in the middle of the night and delivering babies Mm -hmm. so when i was in medical school one of my really good friends said 
hey, I just did like a circumcision. It was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, I did the urology rotation. And I found that urology is fascinating because you can take care of men, women, children, cancer. You do a lot of infertility stuff. It's a, it's a great field. And I really liked doing, you know, bigger like general surgery type things. So urology is kind of the closest thing to being like a general surgeon with really mm-hmm. a kind of better lifestyle, if you will, not not as many emergencies. And I just really like that urology, we take care of a lot of issues that people don't necessarily feel comfortable bringing up. So I do feel like I you know, can help a lot of people on different levels. But clearly using your hands and your brain, but using your hands to make a living, where does that come from? Your grandfather, your mother, where did you grow up? What high school did you go to? Where are you from? So I am from actually Loma Linda, believe it or not. Mm. Um, So I grew up here in the Inland Empire, and no one is artistic in my family. (laughs) But but my dad is an engineer, and he always, like, we never had anybody fix anything. Like, he always kind of figured it out. In Mm. fact, it was always kind of upsetting because we never got a new car or anything. He somehow, like, we would literally (laughs) remove parts in the car because, like, it was so embarrassing to drive the old car around. He'd still fix it. So, like, that's, I think I kind of picked up, you know, fixing things and putting it back together from him. But, you know, like you're saying with the art thing, yeah, like the reconstructive surgery, it's always a challenge. Like, no two people are the same, and you have to kind of think outside the box sometimes, no pun intended. Yeah, no, for sure. Wow. that's And your mom, what did she do for a living? My mom actually worked in the lab. um, So she had science. None of us are really all that artistic like you are. Mm. And brothers and sisters, did anybody else become a doctor? So... You know, typical Asian mom, right? All of us are doctors. Ah, Really? Right. There there was no such thing as getting a B in my household. So my (laughs) older sister is actually a pediatric anesthesiologist, and my younger sister is also a urologist. Wow. That's amazing. She's a Jewish mother, your mother. I love that. Yeah, (laughs) right? All right. I want people to take away really the, the, and I I don't even want to keep this serious, but the real reason I'm going to be talking to you is there's so many questions out there and you'll be answering so many of them for us. So let's start. Um, if a man has what's billed as, because everybody does it, whether you use a robot, whatever it is, a nerve sparing prostatectomy, can you still have problems after that kind of an operation? Well, unfortunately, yes. The incidence of the problems such as incontinence or loss of bladder control or erectile dysfunction are present anytime the prostate is removed, but they're definitely decreased with robotic surgery. But of course, statistically speaking, going into these surgeries, a lot of men already have some erectile dysfunction. It's extremely unusual for a man to have any problems with incontinence if they haven't had prostate surgery or, or like some type of a neurologic issue. But um, even with the nerve sparing, the problem is we we kind of know where the nerves generally run. You don't always see them. Mm. And of course, the primary goal is to get the cancer out. So, you know, we can deal with the fallout, if you will, of the prostate surgery. But if you're going to have surgery for cancer, you got to achieve the primary goal, which is getting the cancer out. And sometimes that means even just pulling on the nerves sometimes, and even if you don't cut them, you can still get problems. Well, being 63 and a half years old and a man, I have friends, forget about patients because I'm dealing with the carpentry part, but my friends who ask me this question all the time that I'm going to ask you, what's up with radiation treatment versus surgery for your prostate if you have cancer? 
well, or versus doing nothing. Yes. So prostate cancer is a very interesting cancer. And, you know, it sounds kind of dumb when we say this to people, but if you have to have a cancer, it's not a bad one to have. Mm. You know, it tends to be very slow growing. So for many men, it doesn't matter whether you choose to just observe it. And it doesn't mean do nothing. It just means to keep an eye on your blood test for prostate cancer, maybe rechecking biopsies periodically. You can choose to have radiation. You can choose to have surgery. So all things considered, um, like if, if it was me, I'm, you know, I might as well have been an erotic Jewish mom myself. Like <laughs> I would be too nervous to have radiation. The difference is when you have your prostate taken out, right away your PSA or the test for prostate cancer should go to zero. So you know if you've removed all the cancer or not. With radiation, the prostate is not removed, so your PSA doesn't always go down. You just have to watch the trends in it. And I would be like biting my nails every month, you know, getting Mm. my blood test done. So for me, I wouldn't want radiation um, just Mm. because that's my personality. Having said that, the risks of erectile dysfunction incontinence, unfortunately, are present for both. The only thing that doesn't carry those risks is observation. You know, you bring up such an interesting point of a person who's in the trenches, which you are and what I am, which is when you're in the exam room with the patient, talk about multi-use of the same pipe. It's also the converse. When you walk into that room, I ask them, first of all, who sent you to me? But then I ask the patient, what do you do for a living? Because I'm trying, and even on the radio here, I'm trying to get interested and, and learn what it is that this person wants to hear or who they really are, because it's really, it's like you talk about, you know yourself, radiation versus surgery. It really depends on the patient, what kind of treatment you even want to offer them. I can't wait to show patients the pictures of what I found in their knee or their shoulder when I arthroscope them. There are some patients who look at me and go, no, that's okay. I don't need to see. I mean, it's not something they're interested in. And so the the art, the psychiatry of the patient you're dealing with, the machinery, the problem to fix as a surgeon is one thing, but who is your audience and how do you cater the treatment? I think in, in orthopedics, it's one thing, but it must be a massive part of what you do as a urologist. Well, you make a great point. Look, if a, a man your age walks into the office and he's got a great sex life, he's very active, I mean, how much does he want to risk changing all that, right, to have his prostate removed versus, mm-hmm. you know, versus keeping an eye on things? I mean, you, you really, you make a great point. You know, we have to not just treat the disease, we've got to treat the person. I mean, mm-hmm. like for me, I'd rather you cut five years off my life and live my life with a great quality of life versus, you know, mm-hmm. all these treatments that are not going to allow me to live the way that I want to live. Mm-hmm. I have... Uh, so many more questions to ask you. Can you hang on the line? We're going to pay some bills and come back and do another segment. It's <laughs> yeah. too important for people not to hear you speak. And you're really, you know, I, I'm president of the Dr. Karen Iber fan club. So I need you to hang on the line if that's okay. Can you hang on? Okay, all day for you. Okay, I love it. All right. We are having so much fun here. Coming up next, we'll continue to learn. And you can pass this information on to your family and friends. Because trust me, in your house, there's at least one prostate. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Like I feel, baby. Come on. Oh, come on. Let's get it on. 
miss an interview or Doc's weekly story, check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hi, it's Greeny. There's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show right here on 710. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Dr. Clapper says measure twice, cut once. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Il Dr. Clapper dice, misura due volte, taglia una sola volta. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Mother, mother. There's too many of you to cry Brother, brother, brother There's far too many of you die Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a show. Just beautiful. And the connection with my guest, the great Dr. Karen Eilber, a urologist. You all need to hear what she has to say. But why would I be playing Marvin Gaye? Because Marvin Gaye represents many of the challenges that a urologist, and I'm not talking about sexual healing, but I am. Because Marvin Gaye, in his art, in his line of work, I'm a carpenter, Dr. Iber is a urologist, a plumber, but Marvin Gaye, we can hear the challenges of when you have to look at that plumbing in the body and realize it has multiple functions. So I want to take advantage of the fact that you're on the line with me, Karen, and listen. What do they say? My teacher taught me the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. My ears, my ears don't hear what my mind doesn't know. As a urologist who has to do battle with the function of the prostate and how it has to be retained and not affect what happens to the bladder and incontinence, listen to what they say about Marvin Gaye multi-use. He was a genius in front of that dead microphone because he could do some things that people wouldn't realize. You know, Marvin's doing all the voices. He's doing background and a lead and uh, to color the background yeah. it's, it's, it's four to five different harmony parts and that's what you hear. Now, there it is when things are harmonized and these multiple uses are using the same pipe beautifully together. But in the end, there's a war going on when they compete with each other and they affect each other. I think the irony about Marvin is that the different voices in his head, one whispering, love God, another whispering, get everything you can, these warring voices which tore him up. He was able to harmonize, literally harmonize in his art. Karen, does the urethra have warring voices? 
leave me alone for the bladder and help me with my prostate? Warring is a good word to use. Well, you know, I mean, here's here's a concept you probably haven't thought about. Like when a when a man ejaculates normally, right? The sphincter or the muscle that you know controls the urine kind of closes so that everything only goes one direction, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, the ejaculate comes out the end where it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. When the prostate is either rotorootered because it's enlarged or it's removed in its entirety for cancer, mm-hmm. that part of the prostate is removed. So now when a man ejaculates, it doesn't all go one direction. Mm. So my naivete, when I first went to practice, you're kind of taught, well, the only difference that makes is it it's tougher for a man to get a woman pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right, because the ejaculate's not going the right direction. But apparently that also makes your orgasm feel differently. So I got lectured by a man one day after I'd done his prostate surgery, and I said, you know what, you're totally right. Just like as a woman, when I have a male doctor, and he thinks he's mm-hmm. understanding what I'm talking about, I'm like, you know what, you're right. I, I can tell you what I think I know, but I'm really not a guy, and I don't know. So these are things where as doctors... You know, we don't necessarily always consider or tell guys, but Mm. it's one thing to consider that, yes, if you have your um, warring unit dealt with, Mm -hmm. shall we say, um, the the post-war experience may be a little different. (laughs) Talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What are the options, though? So now the sphincter, the valve, for want of a better term, um, that allows it to close one way and open another way. How, how do you even, as a surgeon, I'm just curious, treat that? How do you, you literally put stitches and you tighten it? Uh, how does one deal with helping a valve that now no longer works? Well, fortunately, men have actually two valves. So we only take out one when the prostate is removed. So the majority of men... The what's called the external sphincter or your kind of secondary valve, if you will, is usually enough to maintain pretty good bladder control. And like we were talking about earlier, especially with robotic surgery, you can maintain that valve. But sometimes if a man's prostate is really big and it's really close to that other sphincter, if that gets damaged, yeah, sometimes doing like your what women would call kegel exercises can help but oftentimes a man needs surgery which is typically an implant um, to help kind of support the urethra or reinforce the valve if you will last question the treatment options for someone a man with erectile dysfunction either after prostate surgery or just in general you just get old and the wiring starts to crack what are the treatment options that you approve of? Because I'm not doing anything other than what you approve of. I mean, all I've been in practice long enough where I am open that anything that works isn't harmful is approved by me. Mm-hmm. But in general, if a man has some erectile function, I mean, all the medications that are out there can really be helpful, you know, whether it's Viagra or medications similar to that. Don't uh, be too horrified, but sometimes if medications don't work, there are actually injections that go directly into the penis to help increase the blood flow. There are little pellets that sometimes go inside the urethra that can help with erections. 
there is actually a vacuum device that can help to kind of pull the blood into the penis. Mm. And then if none of that works, there are penile prostheses, which mm. literally you make your the bionic man. Mm. Karen, you're amazing. And I can just speak, I can't speak on behalf of your mom and dad, but... We are so also proud to know you and to realize the more you do this, the more experience that you've attained over these years is almost even next level because you know how to talk to people, you know how to take care of them. And that is a rare thing. When I talk to so many doctors, you are at the top of the list. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. And what's new in your life? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, uh, I mean, if you're asking. I'm asking. So something kind of fun, and it kind of relates also to, you know, male sexual function is sometimes men just aren't sexually active because their partner is not, and mm-hmm. I take care of both men and women, and because over the years also heard a lot of women complain about pain with intercourse, actually started my own little company on the side to make lubricants for women that are, you know, it's actually FDA cleared, and something that women can you know, find useful for that. And, you know, it's a couple's thing. What's it called? It's called Glissant, G-L-I-S-S-A-N-T. But listen, Robbie, you've been married long enough to where, you know, not that sex is the only thing in a relationship, but, you know, you don't have to let it fall by the wayside for something as simple as, you know, a little bit of discomfort that can be fixed with that. And also just kind of make it fun. You you are at the forefront of just about everything in the plumbing world, and I'll stay in my world of carpentry. What a pleasure to have you with us today, Karen. I really appreciate it. Robbie, so fun. Have a great rest of your weekend. <laughs> okay, you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Weekend Warriors, that's the great Dr. Karen Eilber. She's the best. You can get a hold of her at Cedars. If you need a urologist, she's the one to go to. Coming up next, I did surgery on a woman who came down from Alaska. Why would she come to me all the way from Alaska? Coming up next, I'll tell you why. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. There's far too many of you dying. You know we've Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Dr. Clapper, and I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. What's the best medicine besides chicken soup, <laughs> vitamin C, <laughs> green tea? <Yeah. laughs> Prunes. Uh, yeah. Shot whiskey. <laughs> Not around here. What's the best medicine? I cannot wait. We call it clafter. <laughs> 
you kidding? I'm not a kid anymore. I'm getting old now. Yeah. I know I'm getting old. I'm at the age now, if I hear someone goes both ways, I figure it's number one and number two. You know? Laughter. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Sunny, yesterday my heart was filled with rain. Sunny, you smiled at me and really eased the pain. All oh, the dark days are done and the bright days are here. My sunny one shines so sincere. Sunny one so true, I love you. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The one and only Marvin Gaye. That's from 1966. His whole career, you just watched. For me, it's a lot like looking at Michelangelo's career, making the absolute perfect anatomy in those early sculptures he made. Then he's asked to paint the Sistine Chapel, paints over 400 figures every figure in a different position and then I look at the sculptures Michelangelo made after he painted the Sistine Chapel where he distorts the anatomy doesn't finish the sculptures intentionally he invents abstract art he invents impressionism Marvin Gaye you look at any artists you watch them evolve LeBron James is not just an amazing basketball player. He's an artist. So is Kobe Bryant. And as fans, we get to watch these artists leaping, jumping in their early part of their career. But their basketball IQ increases. The challenge of the game changes, and they become so much smarter. It's more enjoyable to watch LeBron do a bounce pass or throw that ball across the whole court than for him to actually do a dunk because he's an artist taking the game to another level. And that's what Marvin Gaye did. It's just so enjoyable to hear it because this is a radio show as opposed to seeing it. This is not a TV show we're doing. We're doing a radio show. So you get to hear an artist evolve. It's just awesome to listen to what what Marvin Gaye says about what he's about to do, I've never, you, know, you can't hear Michelangelo articulate it, and I don't even hear LeBron articulating it. But you hear it when Marvin Gaye speaks. I felt that um, while singing it, while practicing it, I felt that I felt it mm-hmm. from my soul. You know, I felt that um, singing it with that kind of music as the background gave me an inspiration, and I asked God that when I sang it, would it move, would he let it move men's souls? And um, I decided to go with it. This is the national anthem. He's being asked to sing that. You're not allowed to mess with the, with the words, certainly. So he didn't mess with the words. But the music? He didn't even think that was possible. But he's an artist. 
and you're asking me to sing? Okay, as an artist, I'm going to step up. To only have been in that forum in 1983 at that All-Star Game to hear it. I, I did it the way I thought Mahalia Jackson, may, Jackson might have sung it. Um, with a little bit of my style, but barring a bit of her. And I put it to a, a, march, a march beat with a slight reggae um, undertone. Very, very slight. I think of all the acts that Barry Gordy masterminded at Motown, from the Supremes, the Temptations, I think Marvin Gaye must have blown his mind more than anybody else. And I think when he sang the national anthem, it really convinced Barry Gordy nobody else is like Marvin Gaye. Later did the national anthem at the forum. People that have heard this national anthem that he did was so Marvin Gaye-ish that when you make a classic out of the national anthem, you gotta be something. And Marvin was, Marvin was something. He was really, really something. He was something, exactly right. LeBron James, let's do a clap revision of his ankle. You heard me during the week, maybe with Mason in Ireland, with Ramona Shelburne, talking about your high ankle sprain is like that canoe the canoe the Hawaiians used called an outrigger canoe. Your tibia, the big bone, is where the men sit in the canoe. But to keep it from tipping over in the wave, there's an outrigger. There's a small little support system on the side. That's your fibula. That's that small bone on the side. And that junction, that rope that we use to attach the outrigger to the main canoe so that the wave doesn't tip the canoe over, that keeps it stable. That's the syndesmosis. That's the ligament. And a high ankle sprain is as if you rip that rope that ties the outrigger to the main canoe. That's why it's so exquisitely painful. A boot is necessary. You can't get away with just a splint. You need a boot. A lower ankle sprain, that's different. You can get away with a splint. But when it's a horizontal ligament, not a vertical ligament like the lower ligaments, you're up above their horizontal, you need a boot. And thank God they won last night. But both AD and LeBron will be back. Laker fans have no fear. When those playoffs start, they'll be there. And we're going to go for another ring, which would be awesome. Because the NBA seems so much tougher than it's ever been. Next week, what a topic. Every surfer has a fear, and the fear is a shark. I know they're out there when I go, but I actually don't fear them. It's their ocean, and I'm just visiting. But there is a company that decided to make a product that you can wear like a wristwatch that keeps sharks away. Can you imagine? It has some kind of ultrasound beep. And they don't like it. It's called Shark Bands. Been around for a while, but I'm fascinated by this. You're in the business of keeping sharks away from surfers. What a, like, what are you going to do for a living one day? I'm going to make a band that keeps sharks away from surfers. How did this happen? And we'll get into it next week. I can't wait. And as far as food today, where? Where's the best salsa? 
Oh, my mouth is watering already. You can go to the supermarket and get La Victoria. I prefer the medium. Chunks of tomatoes. And it spices up my eggs every morning. But in this town of Los Angeles, where we are blessed to have the mountains and the surf, we're more blessed with what we can eat. And what we can eat in this town, and I'm here to tell you, better than any other town in the world, is the salsa. Dr. Karen Iber is a urologist. A nerve specialist is a neurologist. A heart specialist is a cardiologist. I am a salsologist. I go searching. And sometimes I'll make it from scratch. And I had the blessings of one of my techs from the operating room, Adolfo, with a recipe from his mom from Guadalajara, where I think he told me the secret without revealing all the ingredients, is that he boiled the tomatoes before mixing them with the cilantro and the onion. And, oh, it's just so good with the peppers. But in this town, El Tarasco, I could have a bath in that salsa that they make. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be joined by the owner of Tito's Tacos, a legendary salsa, which has none of the other ingredients that you see in the other salsas, and it's just as good. The salsa that you get at Los Toros up in the valley. Casa Vega in the valley has an amazing salsa. I can't even speak. My mouth is worrying. This is just this is painful. But for today, that's what I wish for you. Go hunting. You can go on YouTube and make it yourself. I've done that. But go hunting. Go find and patronize that Mexican restaurant that's in your neighborhood. Up in Ventura, Corrales. I love it. The salsa that they make. It's not red. It's completely green. Tito's Tacos, it's not green. It's completely red. And at El Tarasco, it's red with a little bit of the green of the cilantro that you can see. Whatever those ingredients are and how you combine them, that chemistry experiment that comes to us from Mexico, we're so blessed, is, te- is life-changing. Do you want to have eggs in the morning? Pour some, sal- some salsa all over it. And that's what I do every morning. Every morning that I get to be with you here on the Weekend Warriors show. Next week, we'll be talking to that inventor of that device that I can wear to keep the sharks away. And let me tell you, right now, that's not what I'm thinking about as much as how cold the water is. Last Sunday was 52 degrees. I couldn't feel my feet or my hands. But you know what? You got to find that passion in your life. For me, it's surfing, surgery, and the radio. Find your passion and start this weekend. Until then, I'll see you on the radio. Nel cielo infinito Volare Cantare Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.